Welcome to Obstinate Headstrong Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Jessica. And we're here with Kate to talk about Christmas movies. Yay! It's very exciting. Love a Christmas movie. Kate even dressed for the part. Yes. What can I say? I'm a festive gal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So today we're talking about um a castle for christmas starring brooke shields but the reason we wanted to bring kate on other than she's fun is she and amy hosted or not hosted that's not what you do on the internet um (laughs) they wrote a blog for a while about christmas movies yeah that's true which makes us experts in the world of the internet i think obviously i meant to pull out our bingo cards and see if this hit it oh yeah i don't I don't think it hit a ton of the things. They did go look for a tree, though. So, check. That was probably the most Christmassy thing. I feel like this was somewhat Christmas light, which we can get into. We will get into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Can I, before we start, can I tell you the best thing that happened to me this week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the little boy that lives next door to me mm-hmm. hits wiffle balls over the fence. And we throw them back so that he can then hit them again the next day. And in the summer, it's super easy. Like we're out in the garden all the time. So like once a day, we'll throw his balls back. In the winter, it's like twice a week, maybe we throw his balls back. And a couple of days ago in the mailbox, there was a letter from him thanking a dear neighbor in his like little handwriting, thanking us for always throwing his balls back. And at the end, it said... Oh, the one line says, please keep it up with the under, like underlined under the word, please. And then on the back, there's a PS that says, PS, if you could please tell them back as soon as possible, I would appreciate it. (laughs) And I was like, this is too cute. And it, he also requested that we write him back. So I wrote him back. Obviously. (laughs) Right. Cause like, (laughs) you'd have to be a literal monster to be like, I'm going to ignore that. Who says no? (laughs) And so I wrote him back and I got him a little bag of wiffle balls from Target. And I was like, you know, we're happy to throw your balls back in case we're ever too slow in the future. This can be like your extra stash. So like, here's some wiffle balls. And I like wrote some other stuff and I left it in his mailbox with the wiffle balls. And then yesterday I got a letter back in an envelope, which the first one was not with his return address written in the corner and a stamp and then his mom had like scribbled through the stamp because she obviously just walked it over to our house because it's like literally 10 feet from their mailbox to our mailbox and inside is two full pages of him like telling us about himself and the baseball team that he's on and how important it is and then three original drawings either Christmas themed or baseball themed and then um five stamps so that I can write him back again without having to pay for the stamp to send it to him and the cutest thing yes and a Starbucks gift card that he paid for with his own money to thank us for the wiffle ball oh my god and I was like oh my god my heart's gonna flipping explode you guys have a best friend I know (laughs) so now I have a pen pal he's eight he's very cool I mean, this really seems ideal. Yeah, I feel like this is like the start of a Christmas movie, probably. Probably, yeah. I mean, you're already married, but don't worry about that part. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's like you're the guest star in someone else's Christmas movie. Like maybe his parents 
Christmas movie where they're like, oh, our son has a quirky relationship with a neighbor. Yeah, I I am fine with being a bit player in someone's Christmas movie. I feel like that's a pretty good place to be. Oh it feels God. like a true I would honor. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your blog, um, you guys wrote only about Hallmark Christmas movies, or was it all Christmas movies? Like all Christmas movies. Yeah. We covered um some ABC family movies. I know it's freeform now, but it shall always be ABC family to me. Uh, they're truly wild. They the, some of the stuff that they put on there, you're like, the, you're the family one though. <laughs> what <laughs> holiday <We> handcuffs? <laughs> we did a couple of blockbusters too. Like mm-hmm. we did Elf. We did a couple of the big ones. I wrote about while you were sleeping, which you had never read or seen. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Amy took on a massive baking project based on one of the <laughs> movies. When you were talking about your uh, fruitcake, I was like, uh, this is familiar to me. Yeah. It is not dissimilar to that. It's a cherry chip loaf was the one that I made for the blog. Um, yeah. I think the only difference is that this one, once a week, I pour booze on it and I haven't eaten it yet. <laughs> I'm so wrapped. <laughs> how's your, how this ends up. <laughs> yeah. How's your booze baby doing? So far, they still look like cake nothing is visibly like growing on them they are 12 days old which one would think at this point they would start if something was going to go horribly wrong in terms of like them literally like getting moldy I would start to see evidence of it I left them in their tins so there would be less chance of air hitting the sides of them so I only have to wrap the tops and so I've got one that I'm pouring brandy on, one that I'm pouring spiced rum on, and one that I'm pouring Grand Gala on. And then one I'm leaving plain just to see what happens. So we'll see. I'm probably going to cut into one this weekend and just see what it, like, what's happening. Because Matt was like, experiment. you're probably going to be mad if you wait another two weeks and like, if you care for these for another two weeks and then they're super gross. <laughs> like yeah that's true so when is like the goal date to actually eat them so christmas will be a month which was the like it said at least two weeks and then it recommended up to two months and so one month seemed like as far as i was willing to go with it okay well good luck we can't wait to hear about it thank you um and some of you the listeners might remember from when we talked about jasmine gilroy's christmas book what holiday book the holiday no no that's christina lauren oh what is it royal something yeah the royal holiday oh something like that similar i mean i can look it up if you want (laughs) no 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 why would we 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 should just keep guessing (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) our listeners might remember from that episode that Kate has like some very deep knowledge of what constitutes a Hallmark Christmas movie. So anyway, keep that in mind as we dive in (laughs) to, I keep forgetting the title, A Castle for Christmas starring Brooke Shields. It's a fairly generic one as far as the titles go. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a pun. 
searched on Netflix for uh, Your Christmas Castle and then was shocked that I had totally made up that title by myself. (laughs) I mean, it seems accurate. Yeah. So in this one, single mom, romance author, those are the only two notes I took of the entire movie. Uh, She, uh, Brooke Shields, starring as Sophie Brown um, decides to go to Scotland uh, to revisit where her dad was um, and then ends up falling in love. As one does in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So what stuck out to me is this is a very similar plot line to A Christmas at Castle Heart starring Lacey Chabert and someone else on Hallmark right now. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's about as good as you would think it is. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it, Lacey Chabert, and she is a big enough name that she gets to do the on-location ones. She did a Christmas Christmas in Rome either last year or the year before. Yeah. So what stuck out to you, Kate, about this movie? In terms of the Christmas stuff? Just like, what was your biggest take? A rundown from Amy and a little bit about the land stuff because it got very distracting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that Brooke Shields kind of was in on what he was trying to do the entire time and just kind of let him think he was playing her when she was totally game for everything. It was really nice friendships. Um, I was a little surprised how quickly everybody recognized her as this famous author who I'm sure does like press and stuff, but I can't, I don't know that just looking at somebody, I'd be like, oh, I definitely recognize you author person. Like it's just not the level of celebrity that I would expect. Yeah. Can we dive into that or is that yeah, okay? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I say, yeah. Cause I have many thoughts about the author aspect of this. Please. Right. Okay. First of all, she has so much money. Yeah. So much. Castle on a whim money. I feel like some of her books had to have been optioned into movies that she had got very good contracts on. That makes sense. Because, like, they definitely, like, maybe not full-on, like, J.K. Rowling levels of wealthy off of, of, off of only writing, but it's, I mean, I, it seemed like we were trying to equate to, like, a James Patterson-type level of fame-slash-wealth out of writing, or, like, a Stephen King. okay. Okay. Is what I was thinking. So that felt absurd. <laughs> the other thing was that because she killed off a character, people took to the streets and she was worried about being canceled. True. Yeah. And so one good use of Drew Barrymore. Excellent. As she was like so the person who's like interviewing her, which I thought it was funny. I was like, Drew Barrymore is a pretty solid interviewer. If you've seen her talk show, she's like very personal and nice. And in the show, she kind of baits her into um, like yelling. And I was like, Drew Barrymore would never. <laughs> I was like, I was like, she's much too skilled as an interviewer to not do that unless she was decidedly doing it on purpose. Um, but yeah, the idea that like, so the implication is that she has been writing 20 books about the same two characters in every book that are in love with each other. And it's based on her and her husband who has now left her for, for another woman. And I'm like, that's not how romance stories work, right? Like 
the, like your basis of your story can't be the same couple together for theoretically 20 years. I wasn't sure if she was supposed to be like a romance genre writer or like a women's fiction writer. And I was thinking it was women's fiction and not romance, like not mm -hmm. full romance, like love story is there, but it's not romance. But I was like, more like a Sophie Kinsella to me. There's yeah. no indication that it's something else like mystery or like, like what's the other like driving factor? I mean, I don't think that like, of course I'm air quoting all of the times that I say women's fiction, but like, I don't think they necessarily need to have like something else coupled in with it. It can be like, I've fallen in love and then it continues my story in the next book and the next book, like the Shopaholic series. She gets together with him at the end of the first one, I believe. And then it just like progresses from there and they get married and then they go this place and they go that place and then they have a baby and the baby becomes a shopaholic. It's a whole thing. So <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. that's what it's based on then. Like that sort of trajectory. Mm -hmm. I was thinking also Janet Avoinovich where like there's no character growth story by story. Like yeah. she's still... And in book one and then book 27, I think just came out. What is her name? Stephanie Plum is still just broke living at home with her parent or no living in a shitty apartment and like kind of torn between two guys. Has she managed to bang the one guy yet? You know, I kind of gave up, but no, at that point, <laughs> like, cause I got to like book eight and was like, are we seriously never going to bang this guy? Because if so, I'm going to go ahead and quit this. Okay, so at book 22, they still hadn't banged. Oh, I cannot. Who has the energy? It's okay. I, in my defense, it's a great book to listen to while driving. I think that's fair. And I, I liked the mystery aspect of those stories. I, I stopped five or six books in and it it was because I felt like I was getting the same arc for the same character over and over again and it was kind of frustrating that the character wasn't growing yeah <sighs> anyway so back to our idyllic oh, yeah. is this not a podcast thing. to talk about Stephanie Plum no is that not what we're doing <laughs> okay so, so your new podcast with all your free time <laughs> right so she she's killed off this character that apparently was a fan favorite so there are people with signs like picketing outside of this interview that she's doing and she's like oh I'm in the process of being canceled for having done this I've made my fans mad and so her agent gives her the advice before shoving her onto Drew Barrymore go out there and charm and I was like that's such terrible advice to give someone in a PR crisis like, oh, go out there and talk with no plan is a terrible idea in a PR crisis. Well, she's yeah. the agent, not a public relations person. It's true, but it felt like she was wearing many hats. <laughs> I did I like mean, that she told her to be shorter. <laughs> yeah, she was like slouch. How fantastic <laughs> was that red pantsuit though? I was just gonna say Brooke so Shields great. slouching the little red pantsuit made me laugh so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of her looks throughout this movie were fantastic. I wanted I want... to yell about how good all the knitwear was when yeah, she's first hanging out on it. the couch with her daughter and she's got like sweater pants on. I was like, oh, <laughs> I covet. Mm -hmm. yeah. She seems to only own cashmere like jumpsuits. Yeah. Or sweatsuits. But she's not mad about it. 
It seems like an ideal life. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so she gets out of this interview and decides time away is the right answer. And this is how she ends up in the Scottish village where her father grew up. And I watched this with my husband and his first question was, is she going to blend in in Scotland by being aggressively American the whole time? And I was like, I'm sure she is. And I was not disappointed. <laughs> I do like how this is a story about people later in life like her daughter has graduated and gone to college it's unclear how old her daughter is actually but like she's gotten divorced like she's lived a very full life and so I think that's a fun story to to see where a lot of uh, holiday rom-coms are like young 20-somethings who can't figure their shit out yeah yeah Hallmark sometimes delves into this because they've just got actresses that have aged into that like bracket but they don't do it nearly as much as they do like 25 to 33 is about where they top out. Mm -hmm. So I did have a stylistic issue with the way that they did cell phone conversations. Oh God, the editing really bothered me. Okay. So when she's talking to her daughter on FaceTime, like half the screen sort of, it becomes a picture of a cell phone with the picture of the daughter within the cell phone to show you the FaceTime that's happening. And I just found it very jarring. I found it would be okay if they just like left the cell phone on the screen. But mm -hmm. the way they like cut away from it so you would focus back on Sophie's face when, the, when she was talking and not like also see the daughter reacting. And the fact that it moved around from right to the left, yeah. that like, it bothered me and then once I noticed it I fixated on it <laughs> yeah it just feel, felt weird also there were like a couple moments where you hear a monologue from Sophie or like an internal monologue and I kind of just bucket that all together as like weird choices mm -hmm. I noticed that some of the monologuing too and and especially at the beginning where she's sort of telling you her background as she's just like kind of walking around her apartment but then that doesn't keep up throughout the movie it's not like she's a narrator for the movie it was just like hey we need some quick exposition <laughs> which is interesting yeah at first it felt like she was like talking on the phone with someone or talking to someone and then you're like oh no she's just talking in her head yeah I mean it's been a year since she got divorced that would not be a weird habit to develop I think that's true so I appreciated I felt like the the scenery of the movie was very pretty like did they shoot this like on location in yes okay and I felt like you could tell like there was only one shot where I thought that the castle looked distinctly CGI'd and that was when it was all done up for Christmas at the end I hated those lights did so you? <laughs> fun fact this is shot where Outlander is shot oh okay and they have I've the seen same... that castle with my physical eyeballs before then they um, used the same like location scout from Outlander and she stayed in this little cottage like down the street from the castle while filming. 
That's cool. See, purely by fate, I ended up listening to the Dax Shepard episode where she's on it. So I was like, oh, this is good. This is helpful. You're coming with facts today. I love You're it. You're like, I'm accidentally prepared for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so it was on location. I agree. There was that one shot where the castle was like clearly not real. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise I felt like the shots were very pretty um and i did think it snowed a lot there for scotland and i don't know that that's usual Ooh, i was wondering because it was like september october and she was kind of running around in light outerwear and i was like i don't know what scotland's climate is so if it's i think it's similar ish to ireland and because it's an island it doesn't go below freezing a lot Mm. it's got like winds from the ocean and stuff um and i know there's areas of it where it does snow but it's like it's the very north part and not a lot of people live there and so like being within like a reasonable drive of um the airport and then getting like consistent snow day over day i'm like i don't know if that's a real thing I also have, and I feel like this is going to get to your questions about land and how it works, but at one point, the Duke tells us that he was in love with someone who title climbed beyond him. How do you title climb from a Duke? You have to marry a prince. That's the only thing above. And so I feel like the implication is that he was dating Sarah Ferguson, who then married Prince Andrew, right? I like this, this like (laughs) thought process you went through. Yeah. Are there like more important dukes that have bigger lands or better castles or something though? I feel like that's the only other thing it could be. Um, I don't know that there is like in the actual present day, many dukes that aren't all like that aren't what he is, which is like someone who is trying to scrape by with this absolutely huge house that needs all the maintenance in the world and doesn't bring in that much money because the best you can do with it is host weddings. Yeah, I feel like around the time of Downton Abbey, I heard a bunch of stories about what's left in England and how hard it is to maintain them. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a documentary about like modern dukes because obviously and it was (laughs) there was basically they were talking about how they have to figure out ways to make their properties a business and -hmm. like maybe a wing of it is for the family and for living and otherwise like it has to be a winery it has to be a farm it has to be an event space it has to be it has to have tours it has to be open to the public like there is no way like modern dukes aren't actually wealthy enough to maintain houses like that without them also bringing in income it's truly disappointing right if if he sells the castle he's still a duke is he still responsible for the land and then like what would he do to continue to have money for the land or did whatever he made off of the castle just pay off the land and then nobody needs to pay for the land anymore I feel like it was implied that him selling the castle was how he was going to pay the villagers mortgages so that they could keep their houses. But like pay them forever? I I I guess it was just like pay them off. Yeah. 
And I guess it did, they did say it was going to revert to the bank as though he had already mortgaged it himself. Oh, that's true. And now was going to lose it. Okay. And so I know they broke a lot of, a lot of the rules where it was like, it has to go to like a blood air kind of thing. Um, but I don't know the exact rules around like actually selling stuff like that, or if it has to like revert to the crown and then they decide what to do with it or what. Would that just like end the dukedom if he didn't have the lands and the house anymore? Yeah. And most, well, and I guess this would be an exception. The majority of dukedoms like literally don't exist anymore. Pretty much mm -hmm. the only remaining dukes are also princes. And so a lot of times it's like the reason they ended up kind of dying out is because they started giving people titles that didn't pass down to their heir. So it was like, you have done enough that the queen is impressed with you and she's going to make you a duke, but it's not going to be a title that passes to your heir. You just get to be a duke for the duration of your life. Hmm. And that's why there weren't like as many around as there were before. But he says his dukedom is like 500 years old. Yeah, I mean, he's the 12th, they said in the movie. Yeah, so I guess the implication is that he is of, like, the old guard of royalty. I mean, they're not probably going to have a kid. She's probably too old for that, so that would be the end of the dukedom anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know the rules. He's Scottish, and I don't know the rules around being a Scottish duke, mm. like, if that's slightly different from being a Brit, like, an mainland England duke he okay. implied it was at yeah. least in disposition because mm -hmm. I really liked the grumpy sunshine aspect of this for sure I was gonna ask if this was what that was because I'm not as up on the tropes as you guys are mm -hmm. yeah I also like how within maybe five minutes they're holding each other oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I know they started so off really strong with chemistry I thought Mm -hmm. Hamish the dog comes in strong immediately and is like I see a pretty woman I will knock her into my owner and like good boy right you've done it I felt like one his Scottish accent was slightly it sounded perfect but was also distracting in my opinion just because I feel like I've seen his face talk too much without it that I knew it wasn't a real thing and it made me like I just thought about it a lot while he was talking, but I did think that like the physical chemistry between the two of them was really good. They had their first almost kiss and then it like went into a handshake, which they mm. did for like a half a beat. And then there was like this super emotional hug. I was like, okay, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, like a second ago, I was yelling kiss, kiss, kiss at my screen, but now they're hugging. I'm like, they just really like, you can tell that neither of them has been held in a long time. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, this is good. This is a good holdover until they do it. Mm -hmm. She sniffs him while they're hugging. <gasps> I didn't notice that. And so they go in for the hug and her nose is right next to his ear and she sniffs pretty hard. And I Ooh. was like, he heard you sniff 100%. <laughs> like if this was a real life thing, he'd be like, cool, she's smelling me. I bet he smells amazing, probably. But I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, like, if he would have commented, did you just smell me? <laughs> there would be no coming back from that. Too much of a gentleman. Yeah. 
but yeah, when so they're standing very close together because she is turned around abruptly and he's not a half a step behind her. And then they have a discussion about how what they're doing is not a date. And he's like, this is not a date. And she's like, sure, it's not. And I do love, and Kate, you mentioned this, how she seems to be totally up on what he's doing the whole time. Like, she's not surprised he's trying to run her away. And she's not surprised that he doesn't want to give in to these feelings. And she's like, you'll get there. She's like, let's just ride this wave. We'll be fine. And and I felt like for a character that's like going through that much turmoil, at the start of the story I was like that's a very even killed way to deal with this situation at some point doesn't she acknowledge she's like I might not be a lawyer but I did actually read the document you gave me and I see what you're trying to do here mm-hmm. which I really appreciated yeah and I do think some of the sunshine was definitely just throwing it back at him right like how do you annoy a grump you sunshine all over them can we get into the grump thing for a second because like she just like freaks out at him at the end of the private tour of the castle in a way that I thought was disproportionate to like how he was acting during the tour. Like they kind of had these nice moments and he made the joke about the poetry wasn't very good. And like, it seemed like they were getting along fairly well and he hadn't really been that grumpy. And the worst thing he did was this whole like Mary Queen of Scots crack that he thought like, oh, she just came here for because of some genealogy test. But like, also, she just seems a little bit like an oversharer. And I was a little surprised she didn't launch in at the beginning of the private tour with like, my dad, my dad was here and I want to see if I can find the thing. Like, he keeps telling her she can't go upstairs and I can't, I was a little surprised she wasn't like, you know, bringing that up to justify why he should let her do that. And it just seemed like you should keep him away from people was more than it was warranted at that time. Yeah, that's fair, especially because she did go creep through the castle where he Uh had specifically told her not to go. Um, So it's a little bit of a stretch just for us to like get fully into the trope of this guy's a jerk Mm -hmm. um, and he's cold and like he's cold to outsiders Mm -hmm. is like what we needed to learn. Mm -hmm. I could see more after that exchange where he was kind of grumpy, but then they'd already had like a little clash and so it was a little bit more like he doesn't want to be nice to her whether he would be nice to a random stranger at all but yeah just something about like how she stormed out of there and was very affronted like dude you broke into his house and then it did like the worst hiding job of all time oh my you don't God, it push so your hard. hand around the door so someone can see it and then pull it close to you yeah, that's a very obvious like you would lose at hide and seek, Brooke. <laughs> she was probably an only child was one of the thoughts I had <laughs> while she was trying to hide and doing it so badly. <laughs> but yeah. I, so I do think that it was a disproportionate response, but I felt like the story needed that setup of mm-hmm. them being at odds and like they probably could have found a better way or like a slightly more believable way to get them to that point. They just needed um, a few more lines earlier on. Yeah, just like something grumpy. to set it up. Yeah, or like okay, more directly insulting. Me. Yeah, um, I did think it was funny. I think it's funny in general because I've seen this on lists of like how Americans annoy other people in other countries when we travel. And one of them is like by going there and saying that your ancestors are from there and that you want oh, gotcha. to like know <laughs> things about it. 
and and like one of the quotes that I read in, in like a list about that was like no one from anywhere else cares about that like why do you care about that and I'm like obviously because our ancestors came from somewhere else like they came from somewhere different than where we live right now like by design pretty much and so like if your whole family has lived in this town forever I understand why you're not curious about them but I feel like it's pretty natural to be curious when it's like a whole different world you've never experienced is where your people have come from and so that's my soapbox on that but I felt like the Mary Queen of Scots thing was in some ways just called like assuming she was ridiculous like assuming that she was being like an annoying tourist and so I like I can give some credit to getting that quip when you really have like a reason to be there and like a strong connection to the place and I kind of wondered a little bit if they were getting into a class thing because she didn't know he was the duke then she thought he was the groundskeeper Mm. and so like he says something that's kind of rude but you know not the most rude thing in the world and she's like a groundskeeper is being rude to me and I'm super rich it was part of like I was like "Mm, I wonder if we're playing with that a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. I could see that playing into the keep him away from people thing like he owns the place but she doesn't know it yet so right yeah because then then she's like upset you didn't tell me you owned the place and he's Mm -hmm. like it wasn't your business yeah I see that okay so can we talk about how great a knitting group is oh my god I just love a knitting group yes I love the like I love the diversity in the knitting group of various ages and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to be friends with older ladies older ladies are the best to be friends with (laughs) they have all the knowledge in the world they know how to knit like there's so many good things happening there (laughs) I did like that that woman apparently knew and remembered her father enough to be like oh you smile like him um okay but uh, I do find some truth to that which I do find bizarre like my mom's like oh yeah I just saw somebody my my brother was friends with in elementary school he's over there at the pool and I'm like I don't remember anyone from elementary school except the like five people I still talk to yeah like I don't know. Maybe the internet's rotted our brains. <laughs> I mean, the internet's definitely rotted our brains, but yeah. But I I also liked how she's like a jack of all trades. So they're like, we need help with this thing. And she's like, oh, I can do that. And I can sing and I can dye hair and I can style hair and I can cut it. And like, I know how to knit. And what else does she help them with? No, she learned how to knit. Oh, she yeah. learns how to knit. Yeah, they taught her how to knit. But the fact that she lived above a stylist in New York, and so therefore she knows how to cut hair, I'm like, ah. And so at first, what I was worried, because the first hair she's doing is the younger woman in the knitting group who has like kind of curly, frizzy hair, like almost Hermione hair from the early movies, not quite so much, but like it's getting mm-hmm. there. It's and when tremendously she was, like, large. Yeah, and when she's like, I can fix your hair for you, I was like, if she just straightens her hair, I'm going to be so mad. And then she didn't. And so, like, I appreciate that. But also, 
I did think that the skill employed in giving green streaks to her hair was equivalent to I lived over a stylist and have never done this before. <laughs> There's like three rogue streaks and you're like, huh. and they're just like so obviously extensions. <laughs> like this girl was like, we're not doing that to my hair. You can obviously clip some stuff in. She can do tiny little curls for no reason whatsoever in the back of your head or along Angus's temples. I thought that was cute though, actually. Yeah, that was cute. And I, like the Maisie's bun was super on point, but I'm like, oh, it's very nice. But I don't think she actually did it, right? No. I'm like, you're trying to make me think she did it and I don't believe you. <laughs> I oh, did no. like the subplot love story with Maisie and the other guy that worked at the castle. Now, I, I can't remember because I watched this a couple days ago how much they got together by the end or if we're maybe going to have a castle for Christmas too in the future. I really hope that's the answer. I hope that's the answer. So at the end, he he basically makes a reference to like it, like he should take his shot and then ask her to dance. And so the implication mm-hmm. is like, I'm admitting that I have feelings for you and will you dance with me? And okay. she says, yes. So I feel like it's a solid, like we can then imagine the happily ever after that we want. I mean, if the princess switch two follows Lady Margaret getting back together with the same guy that she was basically with at the end of the princess switch one, then we can do this Netflix. We can make this happen. Yeah, there's no reason not to. The only thing wrong with the Princess Switch 3 is that there were not four Vanessa Hudgens. In <laughs> oh, I haven't finished it yet, but I, I'm doling these out to myself like a half hour at a time during my lunch and breakfast breaks. Um, but the back of the, the trashy cousin's mom's head is all I've seen of her so far. And I was like, this better be Hudgens and old age makeup when we finally see uh, her. <laughs> I wish. Gosh, you should go into writing these movies. Oh, please. I guess I want infinite Hudgenses by the end of this. I guess Vanessa Hudgens, Hudgens though, can, she complained that like it was too much to act three roles. I'm sure. And it's like, well, what did you expect to happen? Yeah. Yeah, the amount of like stand-ins that would be necessary to have the same person replicated three times on camera is pretty crazy there was a pretty good shot where they were like tangoing when she was teaching lady margaret to tango and i was like this is pretty sophisticated the way that they had to weave these two shots together of them doing this i was pretty impressed while we're on the netflix cinematic universe though apparently the couple that checks into the little scottish inn partway through this movie and i was like is that ominous music what is happening here i was like are, are people... these villains no i totally thought they were coming to screw up the the yeah. real estate deal but it turns out they are the people from a princess switch they're like lady margaret's lady and then the prince whatever his name is like chauffeur or something why but I wouldn't give have known it unless music. I had Googled Christmas for Ca- Castle for Christmas Donatelli. And it was like the first thing that came up. They're like, everybody's Googling this. <laughs> it's just like a weird throw in because you're like, why is this here? And all I can hope is like there's more content and maybe there's going to be a movie with Vanessa Hudgens and Brooke Shields in it. I'd be into it. They they need they to get establish them that they are all in the same universe though, because like one of the Hudgenses goes to the Christmas prince like wedding. 
and mm. it's they have crossed over enough but also i think in the first princess switch they watch a christmas prince on netflix like Aww. in the cottage i'm like is it a documentary in this universe <laughs> or um they do if they ever do another like spinoff of this though but um brooke shields needs a different makeup artist yeah okay. yeah I feel like they did her a little dirty. Like, why are your eyelashes like spiders half the time? Mm. It wasn't great. But keep the same customer because that was on point. Needed more plaid earlier in because we didn't really get plaid until Christmas. So she becomes progressively more plaid as she assimilates more and more to the village. Mm -hmm. And I was like... Like, I made that as a note. I was like, she's becoming more Scottish via her amount of plaid. Yes. Also, I didn't realize three months passed. They like, at one point, there's a, month, a full month jump where it's like, oh, she's been here a month. What do you think is going to happen? Is she going to leave? And he's like, yeah, she's going to leave. And then, then it, they say something about it being a week before Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the montages? Yes. Heavy use of montage, which I thought the scenery was so good. I was like, montage me. Let's do it. (laughs) I love the montage when he's like, oh, fuck, I should have run after her. Like, I shouldn't have chased her off. And it's like completely different lighting and better makeup. You're like, you guys shot this somewhere else. (laughs) Right. Um, (sighs) No, I mean, I appreciate a good montage. I think it's like a crucial part of a rom-com. Mm-hmm. I liked the um, room makeover montage a whole lot. I was deeply disappointed that they didn't yarn bomb some part of the castle. Like, I thought that's what they were setting up when they were yarn bombing stuff in the village. Yeah. And I was like, how did you not do this for the Christmas party? Yeah. That should have been, like, yarn bomb poinsettia should have been a key Christmas decoration. Oh, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was crazy that she never moved out of the room. So he gives her a room that's like leaking and has bats and has no functioning fireplace and no heat and it's snowing outside and she just wears extra scarves. And I'm like, that's not, that's not enough. <laughs> like you haven't made yourself warm. And so like, I really thought it was going to be like the first domino to fall in him warming up to her was going to be him being like oh I'm a monster she obviously needs a modern room and like that never happens she just lives for three months in this weird hellhole and at one point he's like I brought you this dresser and I'm like bring her heat like fix her fireplace what are you doing there is a shot where she's laying in bed and I can't remember what scene it's after but it's some encounter with him and the dog is there maybe it's like right after their emotional hug but you can see firelight on her face and I was like did the knitting group fix the fireplace like how did what happened there no yeah. I thought that was from the candles when they knocked the light the electricity out mm, they did have several candles possibly scenes. yeah yeah mm-hmm yeah but yeah I mean I agree it seems like that could have come up maybe those are in the cut scenes maybe this is supposed to be a four-hour movie mm-hmm. Beatles movie? documentary or bust yes exactly <laughs> so when she finally wears the full-on Scottish gown that has been like redone to fit her 
did it did you guys watch sex in the city no uh, parts of it oh i was gonna say did it make you think of when charlotte goes to the scottish gala with trey oh i don't know that part yeah sorry <laughs> no it's okay i should not have ever seen all of that but i did i do have questions about the provenance of that dress because it is a fairly modern styling mm-hmm. I and this was this happened a couple of times where I felt like they fell short of having like a real emotional conflict whereas like if this was a book that like this would have been a moment of like real conflict followed by character growth was her stumbling out in that dress not knowing where it came from and having it be like a punch in the gut to him because the last time he saw it something terrible happened like it was when he broke up with the woman that left him or caught her with someone else or his mom died in it or whatever but like something (laughs) and then he's just like oh I wasn't expecting you to wear it but you're pretty like obviously she's pretty that's not the point (laughs) it was styled modernly enough that it could have been the ex-wife yeah, I thought so too. It it was such a like um, it was so jarring because he's like, you shouldn't be in that dress, and I was like, okay, we're gonna find out like why the dress is important, and then I was like, because he wants her out of that dress, he wants it on his floor. Like, what is going on here? Why did he say that if there was not like leading into something? Yeah. Yeah um okay so we have a friend uh amy and i do a mutual friend who said she thought this movie was very steamy what is your take (laughs) on this i just made the same face (laughs) yeah if we're comparing it to a hallmark a hallmark movie in which they kiss for five seconds within the last minute of the movie with closed mouths then yes I suppose. But she like, goes, it's a no. little steamy and spicy. Because I mean, they had premarital sex? I don't know. I did not ask. Oh. I, just, <laughs> I just was like, nothing about this felt steamy to me, but okay. No. <laughs> I do feel like in like the bell curve of Christmas movie steaminess, it's on the higher end only compared to Christmas movies. Yeah. Because you do have like the kissing goes on it's fairly like it's open mouth kissing and then it's heavily implied that they have sex directly after which a lot of Christmas movies don't do and the leads actually have chemistry which is really hit or miss in Hallmark yeah yeah sometimes it's just like they've hired like two like there's just two strangers like oh I guess we're in love now and you're like (laughs) nope you've never met before You've, you've had been together no conversations. The whole, yeah, you've been together the whole movie, but you guys have never had any kind of interaction. Well, those movies only last maximum like four weeks, and it's usually closer to three days to two weeks mm-hmm. as a time span. So, yeah, yeah, and like they're probably each one of those people is filming like three at all at the same time in Ottawa, <laughs> camp, or like Vancouver. They're like, we got to crank these out. <laughs> I need a behind the scenes on the Hallmark Christmas bubble so badly. I want like all of the details as to what the logistics were like and whether they had to like rent out an entire town or what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like carry yeah. camera people back and forth. And so I another... thought it was. Oh, go ahead, Amy. 
I was just gonna say another moment of conflict that I feel like never came to full fruition is she invites the entire village over for Christmas Eve and he's like you did what okay like and there's no and like you would have thought that that would have been like a moment to like figure out why he distanced himself from the village and like obviously it has something to do with the very confusing land deal but like there could have been something else too um and so I was like, I like, I do wish it had just gone in a little further on the moments of conflict. So the Christmas Eve party thing was relating back to the lady at the well. Mm-hmm. And so like, cause they had a Christmas Eve wedding and then they had the party at the castle and it continued for like a couple centuries every year. But that that setup was like oh okay well they're gonna get married by the end of this like I was just like convinced that they were gonna advance that far and I'm kind of proud of them for not doing that for like her finishing this book and it's in like the publicity phase and she's back on Drew Barrymore and I don't know if that was all like improv outtake or what but like it was not established whether or not they were married by then so and Drew Barrymore even says is there an, an announcement forthcoming and she's like, no, why would there be? And like, and I thought the same thing. I was like, good for you for it. not Cause I was like, oh, in these outtakes, Drew Barrymore is going to bring it up. And then she's going to flash a huge ring and be like, I'm going to be a duchess. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm just really happy. That, and I was like, yes, Netflix. Yeah. Maybe that's our castle for Christmas or Christmas too. Oh, the, the oh, wedding. wedding. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm so, uh. I hope this happens. <laughs> so um, on the interview, Brooke Shields was like, I learned about things like when a movie gives you all the feels, I learned what all the feels mean, means now. And like, it's just fun to be in a romance movie where there's a happy ending. Like a lot of movies I've been in don't have happy endings. And this was a real delight. I've got to tell you. Aww. And I was like, oh, bless you. Yes. Do more of those, Brooke. You are welcome right? here. Yeah, she was talking about how, like, there's only shitty roles for people her age in Hollywood, and this was a really fun opportunity, and um, she went over there and tried to be not too much of a creep about finding out about Outlander. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about whether this is a Christmas movie or not, though. Oh, okay. So the tropes that I clocked were... We are decorating a place. Uh-huh. We have gone tree hunting on horseback, which was like, how how did we get the tree back when we just both rode out there on horses with no like piles of rope or anything? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we have a candle lit thing, which is sometimes like a power outage situation. There's an almost kiss, which is not necessarily Christmas, but is like a trope within those uh movies usually we have a village in danger kind of thing like we've got to save the town we have Um, a holiday party a holiday party we have an interloper we have a falling in love montage Mm -hmm. it's a brief but it's there and we have like a truly enormous amount of greenery in her room in like the last 15 minutes of the movie but that's the but thing it like it's not like, throughout it's yeah not. and it feels like only three of those tropes are true christmas tropes like everything else is just like a romance 
rom-com trope okay that's fair and so i mean do you agree like it did not feel super christmas i guess they sing carols once yes yeah there's a random it's because it's like after the halfway mark before it gets to be christmas and there's like you know they're dancing in the snow at one point and i don't know it's just like once it hits christmas they go really hard but i don't know if it makes up for the front half of the movie so part of my barometer for is it a christmas movie is has anyone discovered the true meaning of christmas (laughs) and i would argue no so like he opens up more to the people of the village but i feel like that would have happened with or without christmas and i think like the key to me is that the happy ending did not involve finding the true meaning of christmas i could see that as an argument i okay so do you feel like in every christmas movie they learn the true meaning of christmas or just christmas romance movies I think in every Christmas movie that I know of. Okay. Like with Elf, like that's like the whole thing in Elf. The Grinch. Yeah, but what about like, like thing. Die Hard? <laughs> okay, well, we could like debate if that's a Christmas movie. I actually haven't. I, I know people call it a Christmas movie, which I'm fine with. Um, I haven't seen it in too long to like be a good judge of that. We just watched that last week because I wanted to rein it into our Christmas stuff. (laughs) And you know what? I just realized I don't want to be a podcast that is talking about whether or not Die Hard's a Christmas movie. (laughs) But like, okay. If we're saying it's like marketed as solely a Christmas movie, that is a takeaway. Yes, I agree. I don't, I mean, I feel like this movie had Christmas in the title, but like was very light on Christmas. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about, um, Oh, shoot. The one with the angel and the... It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody thinks of that as a Christmas movie, and only a tiny sliver of it happens at Christmas. And he doesn't learn the meaning of Christmas. He just learns the meaning of, like, people will support you when you need them. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Christmas is the deadline for the forced... Like, so within romance, this trope is forced proximity, right? They weren't mm-hmm. planning on living in the same place. Now they have to live in the same place. And so that that forced proximity is scheduled to end at Christmas. And so like, I'm not saying you can't call this a Christmas movie. I'm just saying that like in comparison to like a 24 days of Christmas Hallmark Christmas movie, this is light on Christmas. Yeah, it is. It is light on Christmas. I'm. I definitely am not arguing with that there. But like, in a Hallmark Christmas movie, it's not always about learning the true meaning of Christmas. But it's like a romance that happens to take place at Christmas and like just borrows all of the trappings of Christmas too. So I feel like Kate in a Hallmark movie, the true meaning of Christmas is different based on the movie. That's true. Where like in you know the Nine Lives of Christmas, it's like treat your cats well and they'll help you find love <laughs> at christmas yeah at, only at christmas time though yeah i mean i i say all of these things and like make judgmental comments about it but i've already watched it twice 
<laughs> oh no i i am not here to disparage a hallmark christmas movie i love a hallmark christmas movie inject all of that greenery directly into my veins but you're right that some of them are about like so-and-so hated Christmas and now they see the benefit of Christmas or like Moppet gets a mommy or you know like just there's there's different barometers of the Christmasness to the characters yeah and I guess I'm thinking of things like the spirit of Christmas where you've got the big city overworked woman who goes out to the country to work not to have Christmas and then her Christmas ghost is like you should appreciate that it's Christmas and then she like like she it's a it's them falling in love but it's also her realizing that like she needs other people and she needs like community and like that discovery is in direct relation to Christmas also, it's teaching her she needs to tap out from capitalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that vein, like, is he embracing the town in a way that he hadn't before? Like, yeah, he's defending their mortgages and everything, and it's very important to him, but was he as connected to these people before, like, he's throwing this holiday party for them? And yeah, like, maybe there would have been some other way if they had fallen in love in, like, April for them to have this the true gathering. meaning of Easter <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I think that's important is she her editor is like who are you without your books mm-hmm. and because she celebrates Christmas in Scotland she figures out who she is without um the the her Emma Emma whatever her name is Emma Gale. She figures out who she is without her main character because she's experienced a Scottish man and Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. There was so the the one bit of like big conflict which precipitated the we must now split apart is when she's like, you don't have to move out. You can keep living here. And he's like, as a guest. (laughs) And I thought it was really funny compared to like all of the other like very minor conflicts that like all of a sudden he was like, how dare you invite me to stay with you in the house we've been living in together for three months. Well, in the house that you're like set to buy from me. Right. And it's been the plan this whole time. Yeah, his, like, reaction to her dress, I felt, was unwarranted, and then, like, this thing here, which is, like, this is the thing that breaks them up after they've been sleeping together for a day, like, I was, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, this seemed a little much. Wait, were they only sleeping together for, like, a day, or was it a month? I thought it was, like, a month. She mentions that it's a week before Christmas like when you start seeing all the Christmas stuff so no more okay okay that's a tighter timeline than I was picturing in my head I can't I was like re-listening to parts of it today and that's as far as I got before I had to hop on this so I don't know if a couple days passed since then or if they like together that night because it seemed like immediately after 
or like immediately after they sleep together is when they have this like little coy breakfast in the breakfast room Mm -hmm. while they're setting up for the party that night and I was like why is all of the food on the table the morning of the party yeah (laughs) yeah having a problem with that yeah I was like what's happening here (laughs) after she leaves and his friend sees that she's leaving and is like oh no like what did he do Mm -hmm. and then he gives him like a pep talk about like you can't keep doing this like you can't keep pushing people away one of I thought some of the best lines in terms of like the quotable parts of movies like this happened in that scene so he says castles are not meant to have castles are meant to have walls around them people are not and i was like "Mm, he is spitting castle truths that's good and then he says what good is this place without people in it and i was like sitting there reflecting on like the deep meaning of this and my husband yelled the castle craves souls (laughs) (laughs) Go Matt. Yes. And I was like, thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> the other the other good good line was Angus finally getting to talk. Like he sang. Yay. That was exciting. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the big thing. And the big reveal is that he's singing and now he's just gonna talk all the time. But then I guess he didn't again for a while. And then he's got a line about loving someone never being a mistake. And I was like, oh no, this is hitting me hard. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that character. I did think for the majority of the movie that he wasn't able to talk versus it wasn't just like shy and unwilling to talk. I thought it was kind of like a bit that they kept like editing around when he would have talked or something. And then mm. upon like as I was listening to it again this afternoon, they said something about since his husband had died, he hadn't said a word. And I was like, gotcha. Okay. Oh, I missed that. I knew. So I heard the line about his husband having died and I was like Mm -hmm. okay so like he's more like they're showing him as like stoic because of that um but then the more and more he didn't talk I was like oh I think he might not be able to Mm -hmm. no it was yeah it was that's that's where they were going with that so I mean all in all for me it's five stars I want to see movie two I want to see movie three it's very cute that he flew her daughter out for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Also, and I screw you to the husband or ex-husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I love the daughter's line where she's like, I'll just go to his next marriage. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else we want to bring up about this movie? I think so. I thought the castle being named Dun Dunbar was dumb. I didn't understand why it was called that. And no one ever explained it the whole time. And I I don't know how castles are named. So I don't know if that's common. But I like at first I was like, what's happening? What are they saying? (laughs) And then I like, like I looked at the IMDb. I'm like, okay, no, that is what they're saying. I just don't understand why. Mm -hmm. It sounded like later on he said something about another place being done something else and I was like is a castle done like I don't know enough about Scotland to follow any of this yeah me either (laughs) but happy holidays I hope you get to watch all of the lovely movies Mm -hmm. even if that movie for you is die hard yeah or lethal weapon yeah 
or gremlins Infinite too. Hudgenses. Yeah. We wish you all the Hudgenses that your heart desires. <laughs> and thank you for joining us, Kate. It was so good to talk to you again. It was so fun to come back. Please invite me again and I'll show up. Of course. <laughs> of course. Stay obstinate. Stay headstrong. Stay headstrong.